turn to uh, Revelation chapter 13 as we continue to see the apocalypto, the apocalypse, the unveiling, the revealing of Jesus Christ. So Revelation 13, reading verses 1 through 10. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we again thank you that you've called us to this place, that you've given us your word written, and by your spirit you um, show us the truth that's there. We pray that you would help us to give um, strict attention to this, that um, the preaching of your word would have your unction, your anointing, that um, the gospel would go forth, that we would come to know you in, in brighter ways and that we might become more like you even as we walk out today. And we do pray that you would continue to bless us, especially through this means of grace, the hearing and reading and preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Revelation 13, verse 1, the word of the Lord. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, <clears throat> that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. The word of the Lord. Now to make really make sense of this, we are going to have to, to back up to Revelation 12 and see the context of it. So if we go to Revelation 12, beginning of verse 7. We're reminded that there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, <clears throat> Excuse me, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the world. So we see clearly who this dragon is and his condition. He's been cast out of heaven but thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. 
Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to a place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to help the woman and the earth opened his mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So this is the dragon, Satan, attempting to destroy the church. And all of his best attempts, and there's as a torrent of rivers. And we looked last time in the Old Testament, Exodus, as you see um, the flood of the Egyptian armies coming forward to attack and destroy Israel, who had escaped from Egypt. But ahead of them is the, the Red Sea, where they, they cannot go into there. So they have this flood of people coming over them. God opens the earth, is what we read in one of the Psalms, as God opens the earth and... Israel is able to walk through on dry land. Then the flood of the um, Egyptian army follows after them and the earth swallows them. The sea completely covers them. And he, Paul, sorry, John in this revelation by the Holy Spirit is telling us this is still happening today as the enemies of the church, Satan himself, comes after the church. Um, it, he's swallowed. It, it's not it is a losing battle it is a war that has been lost so then in verse 17 verse chapter 12 then the dragon became furious with the woman with the church and he went off to make war with the rest of her offspring now we're used to saying well the people are the church and the church is the people yes however the church is considered as the body of believers and the individuals um, Christians can be considered the church's children. So we have the church as our mother. First uh, John talks about this, the church being the elect lady and her children. So we see this in scripture, even as the, John is writing here in the book of Revelation. So the dragons become furious with the entire church. He can't do anything about it, but he goes off still to make war on the Christians, individual churches, individual believers, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus and he stood on the sand of the sea. And so what we have to see from this is the purpose of this beast that's coming up out of the sea. The, the, what is happening because the dragon is giving this beast authority and power and a throne. Because the dragon wants nothing more than to harass and persecute and kill, steal, kill and destroy Christians. This is what he's after. He also wants to persecute, kill, still destroy any image bearers, which means all of mankind. And we saw this earlier in Revelation as we see the demonic oppression on just non-believers. And so the persecution of believers is not just spiritual, but it's also manifested physically. But it's not just physical, it is ultimately a spiritual battle but we have a tendency to separate these two things so that things that are spiritual are different than things that are physical and vice versa but these things are are intertwined in the way that God sees things so a famous verse um, chapter 6 famous passage if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 it's the armor of God passage 
it's good to hear it often, especially as we're in Revelation, to, to have this in our mind. So it's Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. <clears throat> as Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, and he's saying, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, the dragon. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's interesting. The word wrestle is there, too, as you might say, wrestle, because what it is, it's, it's, it's a different type of battle. In, in a wrestling match, you are intimately engaged with your opponent so that you have to you come into close contact with it. He seeks to throw you down. You seek to throw them down. It can go back and go forth. And this is the word that the Holy Spirit gives Paul to use as he's talking about what spiritual warfare is like. It is not like shooting arrows at each other. It's not like sticks and stones. It's not like shooting guns. It is not like just saying things back and forth. It is a physical confrontation with the forces of evil, spiritual forces. So therefore, what he says do then, as he mixes his metaphors, is you have to have an armor to withstand. You stand in the evil day, and so that when you've done all, you are able to stand, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on a breastplate of righteousness, his shoes for your feet, you put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the gospel, the mystery of the gospel. This is the war. This is the battle. So when you go to Revelation and you see, well, this is crazy looking stuff. Well, it's apocalyptic literature, but it's nothing that the rest of the Bible hasn't already told us about. You are in spiritual warfare and there is a powerful enemy. And unless you are clothed with, equipped with spiritual armor, then you have no defense. But what Paul is saying is you have great defenses. And why don't we see it more? Why don't we see the spiritual warfare more often? Why don't we see the demonic influences behind things? Why are we so easily led astray? Why do we fall so easily for the ways of the world? Why do we not see the spiritual warfare more often? And I believe it's, and the Bible teaches, it's because in this country, in our culture, it's because of our affluence, our riches. Uh, we've been blinded and spoiled by riches, distracted by political allegiances. We've been, um, as Neil Postman has a book he entitled, we've been amusing ourselves to death. So if you ever watched, I would say children, but younger people, I guess, I don't know. I'm, I find myself, whatever, I'm in an age group that's odd to me. Um, people who play video games, a lot. Um, time for supper. They don't even want to eat. <laughs> we'll do nothing. Stay in front of that video, video game the whole time. Um, that's what we've done. 
amusing ourselves to death, so distracted by the things of this world that when God calls, when spiritual things are happening, we don't even notice because we're so distracted by these other things, riches, political allegiances, whatever else. So in Revelation 3, 1 through 2, we read, so I saw a beast, remember where the dragons on the sand of the sea right there on the seashore i saw a beast rising up out of the sea and we see later in revelation that the sea is actually ungodly people in nations and worlds this is coming out of this it's all about chaos and that's what you have to see in the beginning the world was without form and void and the hebrew word for that is two words are tohu va vohu Va means and, tohu and bohu, um, without form, void, it's chaos. And what the Spirit of God does in the very beginning is bring order into the chaos. And then we introduce again chaos into the world through our sin, and then Jesus Christ comes and he begins to bring order, which the word shalom is a little bit more than simple peace, but it's as if the storms are gathering, and when Jesus says, peace be still, that's shalom. Everything organizing itself in the way that it's intended to be so that there's no chaos. It's all order and things harmoniously blending in the way in which they were originally intended. But now you get this chaotic beast rising out of this chaotic sea and he says ten horns and ten heads with ten diadems on his horns and blasphemous names on his heads and the beast that I saw was like a leopard his feet were like a bear's and his mouth was like a lion's it's like all right so we can do whatever we want to with those images unless there's somewhere in the bible that actually uses these images so first the diadems and the horns and the heads is like the dragon so this is the dragon making the beast in its own image and what you're going to see is satan as he's cast out of heaven is going to now as he doesn't have that kind of influence to accuse the believers anymore he can now attack us here and what he sets himself up is his own throne his own power his own authority which is manifest in physical authorities such as the beast, which we're going to see are demonically empowered um, political um, entities, and he is setting himself up as God. And so what he has, God has image bearers, and you're also going to see a false trinity as we go a little bit further into Revelation, but you're going to see Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to see a, an imitation of that with Satan. But if you look at verse 12, 3, Remember that another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. Diadems being these um, authority crowns. <clears throat> and so the difference with the beast is he has these diadems on the horns and not on his head. And so we can speculate as to what that means, but it seems to actually mean the power actually rests with the dragon. <clears throat> but the power that's been given to the beast, uh, the authority from the dragon has been granted to these, the powers. And so it's a subtle difference, but it's always that the true power behind this is Satan. It will manifest itself in this beast that's rising up out of the sea. So what's all this leopard, bear, lions, oh my. So we go to, guess where again, Daniel. <clears throat> Excuse me, Daniel chapter 7. 
So if you find your prophets after the Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, which are the larger ones, then you'll run into Ezekiel and then Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Verses 1 through 8, John either intending for his audience to already know this or to be able to look it up and say, all right, where's all this stuff come from? <clears throat> so Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, in the year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw a vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then I looked, and its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on his back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Well, that's interesting. So how many heads are we up to? Six. Okay, so we got six heads so far. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. So there's our seventh head. So we have this beast with seven heads, and it's what the bear, the leopard, and the lion are all the same as what we saw in the book of Revelation. Mere coincidence to be ignored? Of course not. This is the key to understanding the vision. <clears throat> It had great teeth, it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn. We're going to see this later. A little one before which the three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man in a mouth, speaking great things. <clears throat> then we go to verse 15 in chapter 7. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. And I approached one of those who stood there, and I asked him the truth concerning all this. And so he told me, and he made known to me the interpretation of these things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Now, this is what Revelation is telling us. You're going to have these kings that are come forth. They're going to have great battles. You're going to have these terrible um, uh, satanic powers, kings who arise in the earth. And they're going to attack God's people. But God's kingdom will last forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell, and the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things that seemed greater than its companions. And I looked, this horn made war with the saints, and prevailed over them. Now, we just, you can remember what we read in Revelation. Um, he gave authority to the beast to make war with the saints and to conquer them. And so this is coming from Revelation. He's making war with the saints, prevailing over them, until the Ancient of Days came, Jesus Christ, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, 
and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. And then it goes on and talks about the doom of the fourth beast and of, in verse 27, the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. And then anyone who's read this or has read Revelation kind of quickly trying to go to sleep, you agree with Daniel in verse 28. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, and I kept the matter in my heart. <laughs> so just basically he's saying, man, this thing freaked me out, and it disturbed me greatly. And I don't exactly get it. And what God tells him is, seal these things up till the end times. And then later in history, and it's generally agreed that since these were kings who were foretold, and we can see through history different um, powers that came forth in the earth, the first beast in 7-4 with the, the lion of eagle's wings is generally agreed upon to be Babylon. And then later in history, um, the beast in 7-5, which was like the bear, was the Medo-Persia um, power. And then in 7-6, the leopard with four heads was considered probably to be Greece and its great powers. But then this fourth beast, which um, is considered to be Rome, and in, during the time of the writing of Revelation, at least in its general time, um, Nero was the greatest power uh, Rome was a world power. It had done more to torture and um, attack God's people than any other power before it. And the idea that Rome could ever be destroyed was unthinkable to people. And so we see this is this fourth beast. So now as we come to the book of Revelation... What John does, is, and what the Holy Spirit has shown him, is that you have this one beast that's coming up out of the sea that looks like all four of those beasts. So that all of these things that were shown to happen, what is happening in the book of Revelation, is now being shown to all come to this great what I'm looking for, accumulation. For some reason that doesn't sound right. This great everything comes together in this one beast. So it has all the properties of these four beasts. And so there's a lot to look at and to examine. Books, 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 um, revivals, all sorts of things written to tear apart these details and to look at them. But what we need to do is say, all right, what's the overall main point? What, what is going on here? And so the main point is Satan is demonically behind evil world political and military powers designed to torment and destroy image bearers it's all people and especially to torment and to destroy many christians as many christians as possible so you have to watch for tyrannical government where government seeks the place of god for the beast is cruel and it comes to steal to kill and to destroy we're warned of this in John's day, the church didn't need to be warned about this. In John's day, they needed to be informed about what is going on. They were experiencing this. Our country, our church, needs to be warned of this. 
other parts of the country, other parts of the world today don't need to be warned. They clearly see what's happening in their countries and they need to have it explained. And that's the difference. Are we seeing this purely from our American-centric perspective, or are we able to see the book of Revelation from the biblical perspective, especially as it was written to these seven churches that existed during this time that were being severely persecuted by Rome? And what Revelation is saying is, don't see history as saying, man, that sure was bad what happened back then. Thank God we live in an enlightened age. The light of this world is darkness if it doesn't come from Christ. So what's our problem here? And perhaps too much of the church is worshiping the God of this world because you worship this world. As Paul wrote to Timothy, as for Demas, in love with this present world, he deserted me. In 1 John 2.15 we read, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But didn't God love the world? That's what will typically be the response. And it's like, yes. And this is how God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son so that the believers in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. So, oh believers, check your love for the world. Check your love for the things of this world. You brought nothing into this world and it is for sure that you will take nothing out of it. So Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in. So let it be said at your funeral that he or she stored up treasures in heaven. So in Revelation chapter 13, the second part of verse 2, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority to the beast, which was the temptation to Christ. Let me give you these power. Let me give you this throne. Let me give you. And Jesus is like, it's, serve the Lord thy God only in him alone shall you worship. It's just Jesus is not falling for this. So he creates his own power structure with humans who willingly, unwill, unknowingly sometimes have given themselves over to, to these powers. His power is thrown as great authority. And that this is where so much tremendous worldly power comes from. If you've ever you know, look at what can happen in the world. So you remember that this dragon, Satan, was cast from heaven. So now his only place to exert influence is on the earth. Ephesians 2, 2 calls Satan the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. There is a spirit that is at work, and it's an intelligence, and it has <clears throat> designs, and it has strategies. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of the living God. 
So the dragon desires his own image to be worshipped on earth. Anything he can take away from God and have for his own is what he's after. And he desires to show his power and his rule and his authority. Because look at Revelation 12, 10 again. Remember what was pronounced at Satan's expulsion from heaven. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation... Now, you don't see that with Satan, but you do see, and the power and the kingdom, the throne of our God, and the authority of his Christ has come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. So now the beast arises, and he says, I will give this beast power and a kingdom and authority. And that's what he seeks to do. Satan seeks to be God, but he can only mimic his power, throne, and authority. And it is only granted to him to do so for a limited amount of time. And then in 13.3, you see the <clears throat> one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. Well, who does that remind us of? But Jesus Christ, who was dealt death and conquered death but he rose again so he seeks to mimic even jesus christ so he can say and everybody's looking for okay where's the guy that gets killed and he comes back to life and it's just like you know it's it's, it's apocalyptic apocalyptic literature see what's being said this is an imitation of our savior jesus christ so that he might show people look how amazing he is again imitating light that he does not have so the dragon seems to be defeated even unto death, at least one of its heads, and yet he lives. Rome, Nero, was defeated. He kills himself. We see the end of many despots and um, uh, totalitarians. This is how they are doomed to end, is ending their own lives. But we see it arise again, these powers. Hitler, Stalin, Mao... Kim Jong-il, different people who are obviously, clearly, demonically motivated and inspired. The Chinese Communist Party. And in our own country, we need to be aware and look for the things that are happening. For we can see the revival of demonic empires happening in our world. It's always been happening in the world. And we see this today... Who would have thought that after the defeat of Hitler and Stalin and Mao, that those in our own country, um, the defeat of the Japanese emperor cult, all of these things, that people begin to long for a revival of these things, a revival of communism, for a revival of a government that is able to be as God and have all this power given to it. Why? Why in the world did we ever think that we would see people desiring please give more power to the government and why would we do this because we look around and we see demonic control and power and if we're blind to it it will only quicken its authority and control but we can go on believing that all is well and it'll all return to a nice balance but the relative peace and liberty we've experienced in this country is an anomaly in the history of the world this is not something that people have experienced over great periods of time. Serfdom and centralized control is the norm, and why? Because satanic powers. We've been warned. This is what Satan attempts to do to get at people and to get at the church. 
And when you talk about satanic powers and demonic authorities and things such as this, even within the church, largely eyes will roll. And you will get accused as a pastor of dabbling in politics. I am not, for the record, dabbling in politics. I am swimming in its ocean. I understand, as we all should, that what is happening in the world, always, Satan seeking power, seeking control, seeking influence, seeking to get in, to steal, to kill, and destroy. Just be aware and look for it. Our founders recognized in the, in the constitution of this country, but they thought they could stop the beast. But it's only by the gospel that this kind of thing is ever held down. But we're even told in scripture, even that's going to be ultimately the dragon is the beast is given a lot of authority to make war and to conquer. So this isn't a strategy for how to become more powerful politically. This is a strategy for how to deal with persecution when it comes, because we're not ready for it. And I don't want to scare people. I'm not a prophet, but I can see when the hand writes on the wall. Verse 13, the second half of verse, um, chapter 13, second half of three, the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. This is the non-believing world, and don't we see that today? The world following the beast. I mean, does it look like the world is following Christ to you? So who are they following? Then they're following the beast. The perversion of sexuality, the perversion of marriage, the murder of millions and millions of babies. Oh my goodness, wake up church. Wake up. It's happening right around us. The beast is on the march. Verse 4. They see all this and therefore they're worshiping the beast. They're worshiping, therefore, Satan. Why? Because he gave his authority to the beast. Satan gives power to demonized state government. That's what this says. So who seems to be in control? And isn't it interesting that people are seeking to give the beast more and more power to achieve their goals? The so-called LGBTQ plus movement is demonic and it doesn't simply desire acceptance, it demands allegiance. You need to be aware of that. Who is the beast? And who can fight against it? Right there in verse 4. They're shouting. Who is like the beast? And who can fight against it? So therefore, what do we want to use? Are you going to join the beast? We're going to be the beast's power. So what's the beast about? The beast is about laws. The beast is about enforcement. Control over news media, entertainment. What happens when Satan grants them power? What happens when Satan grants them his power? power and who seems to be in control of it now why would anybody worship this hideous beast power and control power to promote an agenda control acceptance of immorality and the big one today safety I mean, whatever, I don't know. We do not live in a day when somebody can say, give me liberty or give me death. It's like, no, 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 no. Death, no. Take all my liberty away. Keep me alive. Keep me alive. The Christians should be like, I'm so ready to get out of this world. <laughs> I can't really stand it. When you die, you immediately into heaven. We love not our lives unto death. 
But the more you fear the thing that you fear, you will tend to become like it. It's just the way things work. I wish I could remember that quote we saw about it's the, ro- the road that you take to avoid um, disaster tends to be the road that leads you to it, something to that effect. So you have to be very careful because safety is one of these things today. What, are we, what do we want the government to protect us from? What's the terrorist? That was a big thing. I mean, when I was growing up, it was the Russians. I'd see a jet flying up high, and I'm like, they're going to drop a bomb on me. I was little, but they convinced me of these things. So save us from these terrorists. And who are the terrorists? Well, it depends on who you are. Apparently, white racists. Everybody in here pretty much is a white racist in certain ways of looking at it from certain people. The church, man, you better be careful of that. You know, you got to be, I mean, I'm sure some of the things I've said today, this is, you know, this is one of the reasons Facebook won't give us money when somebody gives money to Facebook to give to us. We don't, write, we don't, we don't, we don't um, conform to their community standards. Oh, thank God that we don't conform to their community standards. The standards of the community is the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And we don't take that as seriously because we've bought the lie of separation of church and everything else. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. So we ought to take over the government. It's a ridiculousness. You're idolizing the beast. Protect me from terrorists. Climate change. Oh, my gosh, the world's going to come to an end. We're destroying it. If we don't give the government more power to do these things, to control us, then we're all going to die. Okay. Man, I got terrorism that's after me. I got the very planet itself because all these evil corporations and everybody else is doing all these bad things. The the doggone world's going to kill us itself. And then the big one lately is protect me from the virus. Oh my goodness, protect me from the virus. Protect me from these people who aren't protecting me from the virus. Protect me. How are you going to protect me? Power, power, power. Control these people because they're going to kill me if you don't. Give the beast power and Satan laughs with delight. So whatever they can make you afraid of is what they can use to say, I hate to quote too much Pink Floyd, but mama loves her baby and, and daddy loves you too. The sea may look warm to you and the sky may look blue, but ooh, 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 baby, blue. Uh, let me hold you in my arms and protect you. You can't survive without me. You, my, you, you need me. You can't live without me. You can't exist without me. I will protect you from all things. That's Satan claiming the things that only God can give. Who is like the beast and who can fight against it? Exodus 8.10. There is no one like Yahweh our God. 15.11. Who is like you, O Yahweh, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds and doing wonders? Deuteronomy 3.24. What God in heaven or on earth is there who can do such works and mighty acts as you? Isaiah 40.18. To whom will you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? And the beast blasphemously claims to be greater than God, and much of the church falls for it. So if we see government political power, if we seek it to defeat the beast, we may just be finding ourselves idolizing the beast. Is your social agenda a political agenda? Do you seek peace and safety or holiness in Christ? In 13.5, 
The beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. That's our church period again. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that those who dwell in heaven, you know, he's, of course he is. He's been cast out. He's just blaspheming, blaspheming, which means I am God. Don't trust God. You can't believe him. I will give you power. I will protect you. You don't need, and then attack everything that is good and holy. And it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Now, that's an interesting old thing, and we're going to be looking at this in the future. But there are times when Satan wins. But if God didn't allow it, it can never happen. What's our response to be? Remain faithful. Remain faithful. Trust in the Lord your God at all times. Authority was given to it over every tribe, people, language, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth, that's a technical term in Revelation, the earth dwellers, meaning all those who are not believers, they will worship it. Don't worship government, earthly power, earthly things. And later we're going to look at spiritual things in the world as this next beast comes up. And it's not Christian spirituality, it's worldly spirituality. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world. Now, First, you got these, he's, he's blaspheming, but in chapter 11, we saw the two witnesses that are uttering the gospel, the church. So as the demonic state power, the dragon, is uttering blasphemies against God, we're to be the two witnesses. And we are to be uttering things of, of heaven and earth and calling people to repent and trust in our Lord, our God, um, in him alone. And even they get conquered. And when they die, the whole earth celebrates. But then they rise again. And then the world trembles and is afraid. And then the end comes. But the ones who are saved are the ones whose names have been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. But if anyone is to be taken captive, this is from Jeremiah where they're being told, wake up, Israel, uh, if you don't repent and start living and following Christ, these things happen to you. If you're to be taken captive, you're going into captivity. If you're to be slain with the sword, the sword you must be slain. But here is the call for endurance and faith of the saints. Things will happen in this life. Prepare for it and strengthen yourself for it. Get your faith ready. Get your faith set. First um, Peter tells us that don't be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes upon you. But these things happen to increase our faith, to strengthen our faith, because that is the most precious thing you have is faith. And that is what will get you through so that no matter what comes forward. I mean, it can be, you know tyrannical governmental power coming to persecute you as is happening today in China and North Korea and so many other places, or it can just be some person you know. Something that happens that turns your world upside down. And the only thing that you're called to do is to have faith and to persevere. And that is given to us by the Holy Spirit where Jesus says, don't, here's the Don't rejoice that your political party is in power and not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven, which is what Jesus tells us. Let's pray. Father God, um, you have warned us of things, and it's simply to let us know, one, you're in control. Two, don't be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes before us. 
Three, it doesn't mean that you don't love us when difficult things happen. And four, that we're to maintain the faith. We're to preach the gospel. And finally, we do not trust in earthly powers. We do not. We don't pick up earthly weapons. And even the sword that we take up is the word of God. So we pray that you would make us faithful. Help us not to be deceived. Help us to live like lights in this world in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.